this'll work this time clearly this is, this is gonna completely work it's gonna be perfect and better than before because we got a little dress rehearsal out of the way <laughs> uh what what does she call it does she say a, a dressed full rehearsal she calls it something weird who does i don't know what Marianne, you're talking about uh seated dress rehearsal is that what she says Something like that. I, I, it was not a real term. At least she didn't say sits probe because I hate the term sits probe. That's, that's an awful term. That's the worst term. Like we're gonna have the sits probe, and I'm like, don't say that. Just say we're singing with the orchestra tonight because <laughs> I don't want the word probe in my theater life. Thank you. And it's one of those things that like people's. It's one of those. I feel like sits probe. Never mind. I could go off on. <laughs> I could go off on blending the world of opera with the world of musical theater until uh, the cows come home. And what a weird like oil and water situation that can be when like an opera cast and a musical theater cast do a show together. It is buck wild. Everyone's terminology is different. Hey, Stacy's poison ivy makes her look like a ghoul. <laughs> Stacy's poison ivy looks like a terrible skin condition that she, from which she will never recover. She looks like the Phantom of the Opera. That is probably the closest possible comparison. Now, do we think that was intentional, given the number of musical theater references in this episode? I am going to say hard yes. I'm going to say that that is... Considering the the musical theater references in this episode, these two episodes, are the most, like, high school shallow musical references you could possibly... Like, yes. They are many, but they are also the ones that a high like a junior high school, high school theater kid is going to be like, <gasps> musical theater references that, yeah, Venom of the Opera, I love definitely. it. <laughs> Welcome to Pizza Toast, a podcast about the Netflix Babysitter's Club series. Uh, my name is Christy Admiral. And my name is Phil Gonzalez. And we are done. I, are, is, are we? Are we done? Is this the end? I, I hope not, because yeah. I've already revealed to you off mic that I didn't have particularly strong feelings about this episode. <laughs> But I do have very positive feelings toward both Mallory and Jesse. We don't have to say goodbye forever, though. How about a hot wash? Uh, I mean, why not? You know, a hot, <laughs> hot wash. I mean, a hot wash being a term I've only learned in the last few years. Yeah, I am unfamiliar until today, so I'm very excited about it. I think hot wash is used by like 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 if you if you have like a a group of a project group. And at the end of that project, you go, let's do a hot wash. And everyone sits in a circle or, I don't know, like in a in a like meeting room and says, like, what worked? What didn't? Where are we going from here? So uh, let's say we're doing a hot wash. We'll, we'll, we'll reconvene later on and do a hot wash on the whole season. I think that's a good idea. We'll, we'll go over our learns, which is what I've done in meetings like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what we can take away from it. But in the meantime, uh, hello, Camp Moosehead, part Welcome two. To- is it Hello Camp Moosehead? Is that the name of it? Yeah, it's not Welcome to. I know. Oh my that gosh. Too. I've been calling it Welcome to Camp Moosehead. Wow. <laughs> I've I'm been terrible. calling it that too because that's what the, the book is called. So yeah. Is uh, it? I thought the book was called uh like Welcome to Camp Mohawk, isn't it? No, it's called Super Special Two uh Summer Vacation. It's just called Babysitter's Summer Vacation. That's dumb. Super special <laughs> too. They they don't start getting specific with locales until Shadow Lake. It's it's on board summer vacation, winter vacation, island adventure, Which California girls. Which doesn't even really make sense in this case because they're not vacationing. 
Right. I'm, I'm a little I mean, bothered by this. I always oh, because the tagline on the cover is "Goodbye, Stony Brook. Hello, Camp Mohawk." Mohawk. See, oh my God, we are the worst fans of the Babysitters <laughs> Club. Terrible, just awful. But hey, on that cover is the iconic pose that they do recreate at the end of this episode, <laughs> which is incredible. Up down to Christy bending her leg awkwardly, like she she lifts her leg. Uh, yeah, and I, and I was like, why is she? Oh, and I pulled out the book and I was like, a very specific direction given to her this episode Uh, and a very like hurried, uh, hurried, hurried uh, indoctrination into the babysitters club of our two new of our two new babysitters at the very end, just so we could put them in the photo at the very end of the episode. But I I will also say I highly prefer them getting into the club this way to how they and like how Mallory enters the club in the books. Doesn't she just sort of like, she's just around? No, they give her a really mean, really difficult test to get in. Oh, that. I was confusing that with how Dawn got into the babysitter's club. That's right, though. Dawn's is child's play in comparison to Mallory's. Right. Mallory's the one who gets like basically like uh, hazed into the babysitter's club. Mm-hmm. Oh, that poor It's her child. fault for wearing an overall skirt that says Mallory on it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then, like, Je- but then Jesse, they're like, we can't do that with Jesse. That would no, that would be really no, bad practice. No we'll just, <laughs> just, we changed. Um, we, oh we yeah, but this lessons. is a good this is a good time to drop in that. Well, now we can't spoil any more of the series, the Thank show. Goodness. But we can spoil as many books as we want, and well, <laughs> presumably, if there is a season two, we may be spoiling some of that. So <laughs> almost certainly, I mean, I just talked about Hello Mallory, and there's always a chance they could go back and haze Mallory some more. There's always a chance they w- no. You cannot haze that poor child. That the 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 Mallory actress is is too pure for this world. She is, uh, and the Jesse Mallory combo. You sent me a screen cap at one point of the two of them making the same facial expression, and it is truly perfect. It is incredible. They I noticed Jesse make it in the previous episode when she says, uh, "That's a myth." to Mallory yeah, good face. She, it's this little like closed mouth like little like frowny frown and <laughs> the, but but a frown that sort of says like hmm what what do you know and <laughs> and or like what can you do it's this like little like frowny mouth and then in this in this episode they both do it at the same time and I'm like of course they're best friends they've spent so much time together they're making the same faces now they do it about Karen too, yes. as I recall. <laughs> yeah, uh, Karen. Yeah, they 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 also are the two best babysitters in this episode and mystery solvers. It's all of this is true because uh, so the arc of this episode uh, we do continue the Dawn and Dawn and her social justice mission arc. Yes. Uh, we see Stacy and Lane both got poison ivy and their relationship heals over their time in the uh in the infirmary which is nice i like mm-hmm. that uh, I, I can't a camp infirmary that has visiting hours strangely enough yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know anything about camp so i'm just gonna i'll let that one slide i guess <laughs> also, uh mary the, that... and marianne's play is still happening but christy gets sort of tied up like she actually has a plot in this episode and they do something weird with christy in the very beginning they She's like, this is a job for like emergency meeting at the babysitter's club. And she throws on her visor, yes. which she hasn't been doing in the series. <laughs> the visors only, I think, has been seen once in the pilot. And I'm like, you can't 
there's that's not a callback now. Like it's nope. a callback if you read the books. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's she always her wears it and sits in the director's chair at meetings. But both of those haven't really been a thing. Yeah, yeah. They haven't really pushed the idea of the director's chair either. <laughs> well, neither has the emergency meeting of the Babysitters Club. Like that's that is a true. thing. There's only been one other emergency meeting, and she did not put on a visor for that one either. Gosh, they're they're doing callbacks that have no emotional resonance to non-readers <laughs> of the books. I just. And, and it, as, as, as a reader of the books, I, I am charmed by it. But as mm-hmm. looking at it objectively, I'm like, this means nothing to these people. <laughs> yeah, so she gets to call an emergency meeting at the Babysitter's Club, and it's mm-hmm. great. Um... <laughs> but uh, she gets cut off. Uh, Marianne has to recast the lead in the musical, though, because Stacey looks like a, a hideous monster. And we get the wonderful line, Mignonette, the lead character, can't have leprosy. Uh, she's like, I would have to rewrite the whole part. And I'm like, A, that's a great line. B, you're not allowed to do that. You can't just rewrite the whole. (laughs) But we do get to hear the music from the show in this episode. Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, we have to. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing I, there's nothing that I love more than art that has to be then shown in (laughs) <laughs> another work of art like if you if you're if you keep talking about like the world's greatest painter or the or an amazing oh, book boy. or a wonderful reporter and then you eventually have to show it it better live up to the hype and i think only in the movie that thing you do has <laughs> that ever happened oh josie and the pussycats josie and the pussycats as well and i hate both of those adam schlesinger works by the way exactly it, has, it must I, be said yeah uh I watched Adaptation last night, and that is a thing that is commented on uh, in Adaptation (laughs) over and over and over again, which is great. (laughs) But the point remains. Yeah, but I do what I like about this musical when we do get to it, and I know I'm skipping ahead, is of course a like tween girl would love that musical. Yes. (laughs) It is not good, but it's very like saccharine and like happily ever after situation (laughs) i get why it was the first musical she ever saw on broadway because the tickets were really cheap (laughs) you don't think that's a show where they do like sro or anything no they they just need to pack it every night this is like the willy wonka musical where they were just putting it out there to get it ready for regional productions yes Yes. Oh, the number of playbills I've designed for for Willy Wonka at the Chocolate Factory. It's it's high. Is what I'm well, they saying. talk they talk about that. There's there's like musicals that exist just to get on Broadway long enough to get them enough cred so that they can sell the rights to regional theaters. That checks like out get, to me. You got to yeah. get them out there. They can get a they so they get a cast album recorded. You know they're not going to make back. They're not going to recoup their costs on Broadway, but they will recoup their costs eventually through through. Uh, getting you know getting other productions performed mm-hmm. around the country they'll they'll recoup their their cost that way and that is definitely what time traveling paris girl <laughs> the musical is i can never what is it called paris, paris magic paris magic we don't even find out how she time travels i assume it's like no. outlander or the uh or the 1980s version of fan of the opera where christine die falls through time <laughs> so uh, what happens in this episode? <laughs> yes. What is the show episode about? <laughs> what is the show about? Uh, 
Um, so Lainey and Stacy, oh, Lane and Stacy end up making up in, in, as you, as you mentioned in the, in the hospital beds. Uh, uh yeah, they're watching-, watching Days of Our Lives and getting really into it, which I told you, like, that's a very Babysitter's Club reference because it's timeless. Yes, it is very timeless. I, I actually looked up, I was like, is that still, like, I couldn't remember if it was still on and it is still on. It's one of the few daytime soaps still, yep. still in production. Uh, I don't know if it, is it still in production? I assume that those uh, people are I, like, I mean, impossible to say but it was still like ongoing before yeah. this yeah yeah and it's still airing so uh yeah, yeah. Definitely. so so they're they're they they already kind of had their they had it out last episode so this is all just falling action for them like mm-hmm. uh they have a, basically the same conversation they had in the books which is you know you pulled away from me when you got sick and she's like well i was afraid you know like i didn't know how to deal with it myself and she's like you didn't talk to me that's what friends are supposed to do you talk to me with the hard types they have they have that uh, basic conversation and they do it they do a really good job of it in this and they end mm-hmm. up holding hands and that's kind of their arc yeah it's nice it it's not it, yeah it doesn't drag on long at all uh and it's a it's a it's an elegant scene like it's very mm-hmm. neatly written which i like yeah. about it the i like the actor playing lane so much so yes and i'm gonna say this is probably the best acting i've seen from stacy yes uh, in this in this episode um uh i want to give her a shay rudolph uh mm-hmm. who i've who i've liked throughout the whole season but they really give her a lot of emotional stuff to work with in this one yeah uh, she and she both gets to be funny and gets to do the serious thing this time which is, yes yes yeah. and um, she looks like a hideous monster she does she looks like a, she looks like a, a chud and I have <laughs> major props for that she looks terrible um which i mean and I'm, I'm that is not no small that that that's real praise because allowing an actor an up-and-coming actor Whose whose manager, whose agent, whose mom and dad allow them to be on screen in disfiguring makeup? Like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a big deal in a, for like a for like for for a young uh, for a young yeah. performer. Marianne so, uh, uses the word disfigured at one point too. Yep, <laughs> says both her stage manager and her lead actress are, are disfigured. disfigured. <laughs> well, speaking of which, she has to recast the roles. Yes. Uh. So she casts um oh has karen disappeared at this point karen disappears strangely right in the beginning she's gonna try to fix the curse uh drops him into the woods reference by go- yeah, she, she has does. to go into the woods to, to to reverse the curse and then she just disappears and no one knows where she went it's not a series wrap on karen don't worry no. but no. no one knows where she is <laughs> that would be a terrible series wrap. <laughs> <would be> very- <laughs> so marianne has to recast both karen's role and stacy's role and she recasts Vanessa Pike, which means we get to hear some rhyming. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Logan, I think, is the one who points out it has to be Marianne. Yes, she has Marianne... to cast herself. Yep. No one else in the no one else in the in the chorus has been carefully studying the lead's role <laughs> just in case they need to step in, as happens in every production. <laughs> By no one, you mean everybody has had that thought the entire time, <laughs> and they're all just like, "Oh, for of course, of course." <laughs> The weird, the weird homunculus that is Logan wants, wants Marianne to step into the part. He's weird in this episode. <laughs> I don't, un- it is, he comes across as some kind of life form that has studied human beings <laughs> and is trying to form a bond. I, there's no real, there's, there's animation behind his eyes, but no human intelligence. <laughs> he, he doesn't talk that much. 
No. When he does it is only to Marianne in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or ever, I think. Is she the only one who can see him? <laughs> I was just going to say, is he a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> is he the hermit? <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, they all see her kiss him at the end of the episode. So we know he's there. Uh, But yeah, so he rallies for Marianne to step in and play the role. Marianne steps in and plays the role. I believe this is when Christy pops up and encourages her to do so. And Marianne says, why are you here? Yes, Christy <laughs> and is she now... says moral support. And that was the that was my biggest laugh line in this episode. Christy is fully a meta figure in this. Yes, this she point. is. She exists. She is now acknowledging that she has no role to play until the very end when she essentially right. blackmails the group's way out of the situation. Uh, That's a, it's a wild move, but yeah. It's a wild move, uh, but she acknowledges that she has no part in this storyline and mm-hmm. that she's only there because she because she has to be. It, uh, bringing back the Josie and the Pussycats movie, it is uh, it is just I like appear, when they turn- I'm here because I appeared in the comic book. I'm. I, why are you here? Because I'm in the comic. That is the, <laughs> that is the exact line. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so- Marianne takes over the part of, of Minionette. Vanessa takes over the part of Innkeeper Woman. The uh, like the like like she's Madame Thenardier from uh, yes. Les Miserables. She's Madame Thenardier dressed up like Cosette. Yes, yes, precisely. And uh, we can go ahead now and talk about the the musical itself because yeah, I can't hold, yeah, I can't hold uh, back. it's bad. Um, <laughs> we don't see a lot of it. What we do see is like we see. Logan and Marianne have their singing number, mm-hmm. and they almost kiss. Yeah, so so Logan sings. So she. Oh, sings, you read all the words. Thank goodness. She sings her part. I traveled back in time, and love had come my way. I a dream I dreamed from in the present day, and he sings. That's... At last, I found you, Minionette. After spending so long alone, no longer am I lost. No longer on my own. Uh, and we we find out that he was a revolutionary. Uh, the the French Revolution. So this is like Les Mis era because he says the French Revolution had occurred. Mm-hmm. A new king sits on the throne, and then she's from 2019, uh, <laughs> which of course means that this is not that old of a musical. Which means Marianne didn't get to Broadway until just recently. Yeah. Unless they change the date for their production. It's possible, but it also feels weird. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so so she is a girl on a school trip or whatever who's traveled back in time. Um, uh, two weeks after the last day of school, a 16-year-old boards a plane to Paris for the first time. <laughs> and, uh, and they've apparently fallen in love. But then Vanessa jumps in with her character singing a Master of the House-esque number that goes... Yes. Bonjour, monsieur. Why don't you rest at my inn? I'll bring a pound of sausage. Would you like a pint of gin? Which is... It's it's just... It's nonsense in the moment. It is amazing. Plus, they're like, this isn't where you come in. I do like that. I like like that that's not where she's supposed to be at that moment. But it also means that this is a very Les Mis musical and that there's only five melodies. Yes. And she could have come in at that point. Uh, but that's where they almost kiss and Marianne's like we can't kiss yet let's and Logan's like right let's save the magic till opening night he says keep it fresh which is also a weird thing to say (laughs) I Logan's not a real person yeah uh, and uh, this is around the time uh, Christy has figured out that Karen has gone missing yes or rather they're like oh where's Karen where's Karen (laughs) so Christy and Mallory and Jesse go uh, go sleuth it out 
Right. And this is where Mallory and Jesse become the MVPs of the episode. Yes, they prove their worth uh, and, and that they are able to figure out where Karen went. Right. They follow the clues uh, to the to the abandoned shack where they thought the hermit lived. And then they discover a bunch of like packages of food that Karen has secreted up there. They figure out that she must have been there just then because that food was only served that morning. That's Jesse's deal. And they then head off to find out where she went. Yeah. Yes. And they find her. She is sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said no. She says that no one likes her. Yeah. She doesn't have any friends in her cabin. She, David Michael says she is only his stepsister. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she because she's trying to go back home. Yeah. And she's and, at a she's at a a, a now defunct bus stop. Uh, yes. And, <laughs> and it, not, it is the neighbor my neighbor Totoro bus stop. <laughs> And Mallory continues to do some solid babysitting. Says like, mm-hmm. "Oh, when I when I camp- was a camper last year, I didn't know anyone, and it was really hard for me too." Oh, and she mentions to Chrissy, she's like, "Maybe she just needed some downtime. Sometimes Byron like gets overwhelmed emotionally, mm-hmm. and he needs it. He just needs to go somewhere and clear his head." So they they're showing that they understand how kids work. Uh, we don't hear if Jesse has a, any siblings or not in this episode right because jesse should at least have becca her little sister and i think by now she has squirt too right yeah the little brother yeah squirt's two years old like he's he's around yeah um but we do get a we so we get a lovely little scene between christy and karen where christy's like you're my real sister like you are my Mm -hmm. sister and uh you know i can call mom and watson and have them come pick you up if you if you don't like it here anymore uh or, you know, but I would really miss having my sister here at camp. And then that's when Mal mentions that Vanessa took over Karen's part. And Karen's just like, she took my part? Come on. <laughs> Karen's basically like, this will not stand. And that is the... <laughs> that's that's, that's when, all you need. When she has to come back and take that part back. <laughs> right. Uh, meanwhile, Marianne also has worrying that she's gotten too bossy. And Logan has a really weird scene with her where he's like, you're not bossy like Christy. You're bossy like Marianne. And we're like, all right. All right, she's coming into her own kind of in a weird I way. Yes, but like, Mary, even Marianne, like I, she's just never bossy. It's a really, it's still a strange change for her character to me. Yeah, and her relationship with Logan is more like is less like two kids in love, more like the legend of Bagger Vance. <laughs> he's he's a magical character, yes. and he exists only to bolster Marianne's confidence and yeah. I guess be a cute boy. I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand Logan. Where's he been the whole season? All of a sudden, he's full of words. He's just been in the library this entire time. But he talks like the Tao of Pooh or something. I can't like, (laughs) I can't figure him out. Like, I again, I'm I'm not 100% convinced that everything that happens between them doesn't happen in her her mind like the Joker or something like. I don't know. It's really weird that he's just so unworldly, unworldly. I just, I don't know. I don't know. He's weird. Oh, by the way, uh, Dawn, meanwhile, has had a lion uh, to yes. protest, to protest the unfair uh, money situation. And Meanie has rolled her eyes at it and gone to get a root canal, leaving <laughs> the entire camp unsupervised, basically. Yeah, a, a thing I was thinking about with this episode is one of the problems I do have with it, because I have a couple, it, there are not enough grown-ups in this episode, and the grown-up we get is not dynamic. Yeah, uh, and the other counselors end up joining Dawn's crusade anyway. Yeah, 
So she's a, uh, the best Dawn line in this episode is, I am your organizer, but not your superior. Just that when is she's great. addressing the entire camp in order to get them to band together. And yeah, she, she calls for a general strike. Yes. Just like stop all activities if not everyone can be involved in activities. Mm-hmm. And they build a barricade. Like they build a barricade. Is. They do more lame as jokes, basically. Uh, David Michael is dressed like Gavroche, which it's is pretty good. I, I that that got me because <laughs> I mean he's supposed to be because he's in the play. So he's yeah, dressed, and he also has the hair for it, and it's just really good. <laughs> and he waves it. He 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 waves the tie dyed flag. Uh, that just like the red flag. In it's Les good. Is. It's it's, it's really good. He um, closes the first act. <laughs> yeah, it's and, it's really great. Uh, but. Yeah, so Dawn has had this general strike, which is now interfering with Marianne's musical. Yeah, and I was getting kind of mad at Dawn, even though I more on her, like I understand the case she's making, but I didn't want her to ruin things for Marianne. Well, and they have a conversation about it where they're both like, Dawn's like, this is like, this means a lot to me. This is how this is how I'm choosing to express myself, and Marianne's like, well, me too. And it's an interesting. I know a lot of theater people and theater has really been disrupted by COVID. Mm-hmm. And also as you know, you're in New York, I'm in Minneapolis and they've both been hot spots of protest. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me. Uh, and I don't know if this was the intention of the episode or not to see how it juxtaposes art for art's sake, art for entertainment and personal growth and satisfaction versus art for social change, which is what Claudia's doing and what Dawn is is basically doing uh, the with the barricade as a as an art piece with mm-hmm. with using the tie-dye. And it's this conflict that I think exists of people who want to create art but have it be separated from politics and people who want to incorporate art as part of their political movement and how those two tend to butt heads quite yeah, a bit. It is definitely the most sophisticated bit of dialogue in the episode. And it also, Mm -hmm. like, it's weird to me because it feels like that should be the central conflict. And I guess it is. But it also gets resolved so quickly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then we just come to a point of uh, Marianne joins their cause, ultimately. Um, The five girls are called to Meanie's cabin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanie returns and is like, she tells Claudia and Dawn, I'm kicking you out of camp. Yeah. And the other girls join... They're like we will. They're like we will also leave. What is the what is the strategy here? And when Stacy's like, I'm tired of sleeping here anyway. Yeah, she she's ready to go back home. Uh, Marianne joins them even though she yeah. shouldn't. And uh, Christy, this is when she blackmails her basically. Well, before that happens though, Logan shows up. Oh yeah, in costume, and he says the weirdest line, which is <laughs> Marianne. You never got your kiss. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not, we never finished the number, which maybe no. would have been like, we never, we never finished our dance or something. And then she yeah, kisses yeah. him. No, he, he basically just says, Marianne, you never got a chance to kiss me. And then she runs up and kisses him. And it's really, again, it's like she's kissing a ghost. It's like she's kissing. It's like when, it's like at the end of the Casper movie. When oh. Christina Ricci kisses, what's his face? Devin Sawa. Um, when she kisses Devin Sawa. Confusing moment. And you're like, you just kissed a dead boy. Yeah. That's what Marianne does. 
<laughs> because we don't see Logan ever again. No, and well, everybody squeals about it, though, because the reaction when your friend kisses somebody is you get to squeal about it. Yes, and if I wish they series had... has taught me anything, I've learned that. I wish there had been a reverse shot where you'd seen them all squealing and running off, and you just see him in the background just crumble into dust. <laughs> Like slowly fading away. Yeah. Yes. The like the either. like the Back to the Future photograph. He, <laughs> he ceases to exist. Uh, but yeah. So so tell us about Christie's blackmail. Okay. So, uh, Meanie says something about how she competently handles the camp, and Christie basically says, "Do you? Because you lost a camper today and didn't even notice, and I had to retrieve her." Yep. And because uh, she's like, I think you need more help here and yeah. and meanie's like i can't what are you talking about there's liability issues and she's like well you lost karen i had to find her and then meanie's like you're all hired yeah it's basically like well i guess that's fair counselors in training it is yeah she's like i guess i don't want my camp shut down and i don't want to get sued by your parents so yeah everything's fine resolution yeah. I mean, good for Christy, I guess. I suppose. And then they extra legally make uh, Mallory and Jesse <laughs> junior CITs. And then they ask Mallory and Jesse to join the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. They make them junior CITs with homemade buttons. And then they're like, but that's just the icing on the cake. Because we, when we get back to Stony Brook, do you want to be, do you want to be babysitters, Mallory? And I guess you're her friend. <laughs> Only Christy <laughs> seems to have met you and Marianne. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then they go and take the photo from the cover. Oh, and we get a uh, a wonderful moment where some rando camper is like, we need to talk about these riding helmets. They're terrible lice traps. And I have like a four pronged plan for taking care of it. And Meanie's like, go talk to those girls over there. <laughs> I mean, if a bunch of children blackmailed me and I, I tricked them into working for me, I would also make them do all of the terrible work, like all of, yep. all of the worst work. And then Greg Brady doesn't get killed in by a giant tidal wave. The Natalie gets the jewel thief with a boomerang uh, in Australia, and the credits roll as the babysitters all pose for their their TV their primetime TV special where they went to Camp Moosehead. <laughs> it's somewhat anticlimactic. Uh, it's a decent episode. It ties up some things nicely. Uh, nice. I I think the Stacey and Lane stuff is good. The protest stuff is interesting. I don't know how I don't know how effective it is at the end here, but it's good. It's good enough. Well, speaking of tying things up nicely. Yes. We have a special guest for this episode. I'm so excited. You have no idea. <laughs> Hold on while I find her. <laughs> so, there's someone who has been a presence on this show in in passing in every single episode uh who i have watched every single episode with who i've discussed every single episode with we could have had our own podcast about it uh and you've heard her name mentioned many times uh it is my partner and my best friend in the whole world uh alana welcome to the show thank you i'm very excited about this i told phil this is basically like meeting a celebrity for me <laughs> And you know from celebrities. That's right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so we've watched every episode of uh, The Babysitter's Club, Alana, and you had really strong feelings about this one. I did, 
and now I feel like I'm gonna like ruin it at the end. You you absolutely won't. I am very neutral toward this episode, so anything you say will only interest me. Yeah, all we really did was we gave a, a quick rundown of what happens, but oh, when we were done watching this, you were not pleased. Okay, so first of all, I fell asleep like four times, and the episodes. 20 minutes long or something, <laughs> 25 minutes long. And, and and I will say I did watch it again then, and I liked it a lot better, which I'm wondering, a lot of it, I think, was that I could not keep track of who was who. So I also have to say we watched the series like a week at a time, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually binged your podcast because I learned early on that it was making me too sad because you were talking about things that might happen and then they happen. And then I was like, oh, no, I wish I did that. So I waited. I didn't listen to any of them until we had watched this last episode, which was not that long ago. And then I listened to every episode in like yeah, two just, days. Yeah, you just shotgunned them. I did. It was great. I thought it was terrific. Thank you. Um, I've only recently <laughs> gotten to the point where I don't hate my voice, but just the thought of listening to it for four hours I four it's like 10 hours yeah. <laughs> would have been really rough i didn't think it was funny you guys what i would say each episode is twice as long as the actual oh, show yes. yeah <laughs> welcome to movie and tv podcast right <laughs> it's a terrible idea yeah. <laughs> so i like there were a lot of things i really liked about the episode i it was beautiful i don't know where they filmed it but that was gorgeous yeah i was confused i don't know i've only been to summer camp once and it wasn't like that <laughs> but <laughs> was your camp run competently by people who like children though <laughs> i i felt like this was a lot of what wet hot american summer would have been if it was like a foot to the towards being more legitimate <laughs> oh that is a really good point even the activities they do are yep. very wet hot yes. related <laughs> yes and when like she's standing out there with her mug at the end mm-hmm. the meanie i was like oh my god that's like a, i think there's actually a scene with like janine garofalo or someone yeah like there's that. an extended scene of her like pretending her mug can talk yeah <laughs> yeah right Oh, and I actually really liked Meanie. I thought she was a great character. I assume that they made her grow her gray hair out, and I loved that. She looked, I mean, she looked so harried even when she wasn't saying anything, and I was really pleased with that. Their their casting of adults has generally been very good, I think. And she had my favorite line of, it was something like, I've had enough of this Michigas. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, this whole thing's taking place in Connecticut. And finally, or I guess they were probably in Vermont or something, but finally there's one Jewish character. <laughs> yeah. After we were denied Watson being Jewish a couple episodes ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it takes this, the book series a very long time to introduce a Jewish character. And, excuse me, she joins the club immediately, but it's not till, like, book 90, so it's a little weird. Wow. (laughs) And don't they have to get rid of someone first? I think Farewell Dawn is, like, shortly before that. It's a one-in, one-out policy. Yeah. No, this this episode episode. is fine. Like, I, (laughs) I, I enjoy it a great deal, but I enjoy the entire series a great deal. And this isn't one that particularly jumped out at me as, like, oh, I love every minute of this. I feel like maybe if you already knew everyone and were really invested in all the characters and all the side medium mini characters, it would be great. But I spent a ton of time going, is that supposed to be someone I know? What? Well, Why do I know them? Where'd they show up? What do they do? Yeah, because it's a lot of the kids pop up again, but not all of them. And uh, and the ones that do don't necessarily look that different from the others. 
Right. <laughs> right. And I couldn't keep them straight. Like, I couldn't even remember who was a sibling and who had been babysat for. When when Vanessa Pike jumps in to take over Karen's role, I was like, man, if you didn't remember that Vanessa Pike was Mallory's sister, you wouldn't know who this kid was. Rhymes or no rhymes. It actually kind of bothers me that not all of the Pikes have red hair. And I realize it's hard to cast that many children with red hair, but Vanessa doesn't look like Mallory. No, no, not at all. No sibling resemblance there. So, <laughs> uh, even though in the books they do make a point that Mallory is the only one with red hair, and all of her siblings are brunette. I reread that. Oh, that's that true. And that's true. Like, Isn't Vanessa? Oh, that's con- that would be even more confusing. <laughs> I was just confused also by the timeline. Like, how long is this camp, and how long does it take them to put up a full production of a play? And then you'd think it's the end of camp, but then they're like, "Oh, we have three days to do the play all over." Yeah. And I was like, "What is what is going on? I don't understand." <laughs> Is this the kind of summer camp, the gauge I had was that it's the kind of summer camp where your parents ship you off for like a month. <laughs> and I guess, it, you know, they, they try to bring in all that class stuff, but it must have been pricey. They have like camp uniforms, mm-hmm. camp hair, yeah. braids, everyone has braids. Yep. <laughs> I don't understand that, but <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I just was like, everyone goes to the same camp. Yeah. Alana and I got into a great conversation about how every girl has the best hairdo in this episode. And their hair stays pristine in every scene, making that. And I think that's what led me to be confused about the timeline because their hairstyles never changed. Oh, you're right. Their braids never got rattier. They never looked like they had been at camp for several weeks at any point. And that they would wear their hair the exact same way every day. Yeah, yeah. That is a little strange. I hadn't really (laughs) thought about it. Uh, they were great hairdos, though. They were great. Dawn's hairdos. was always always great hairdos in this series. Uh, Don, no, Dawn has the best hair of any of them. Like I know, I feel like Phil has really been stumping for Marianne's hair, and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say I think Dawn has the slight edge. Marianne's was good too. I liked. I liked it's always both. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not slamming uh, anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they're all they're all worthy of good hair awards. <laughs> no, Christie's just. <laughs> that works for her. That okay, works for her. Okay, okay. Christy never looks like someone who doesn't care about her appearance either. And I'm just like, oh. Oh, is she supposed to? Right. Oh, oh yeah. Hmm. Christy's a tomboy. That's like one of the cornerstones of that character. And is that they visor supposed to be a big a deal? All of a sudden, she pulled out this visor, and is that supposed to mean something? <gasps> we talked about this. Did oh. you? <laughs> we just talked about this. That's amazing. That is- I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> That is a thing in the books, like her putting on the visor and then sitting down in the director's chair at a meeting means the meeting is about to be called to order. Got it. And it's such a big part that it's always called out. Like, you know, the meeting's about to start when Christy throws on her visor. Like everyone shuts up. Mm -hmm. It's time to listen to Christy. And we were saying it's 5.30 p.m. It's go time. This would have been resonant if they had done that in every episode. Yeah. (laughs) But they didn't. And so all of a sudden she's like, time for an emergency meeting at the babysitter's club. And I'm like, I I get it, but. I feel like they had this. No, go ahead. No, it's just very strange. Like, I I love that you picked up on it, though. (laughs) I feel like they had this cute, like, eight episode series. And then someone was like, wait, why is this called the babysitter's club? There's like no babysitting or anything. And they were like, oh, no, you're right. And so then they put this two episode thing at the end and tried to shove everything in it. And then at the end, one of the kids is like, viva la revolution. And then they're like, no, viva la babysitter club. (laughs) That was... Weird. And also not what I would have expected from Dawn, who did just lead a right, revolution. Right, 
Right. But it's like they were like, oh, wait, we have to bring this. Because also they bring in these two girls that if you're me, you are not invested in. Like you're zero yep. percent invested in these girls, and I'm like, I can hardly keep track of those five. Why are you adding two more now for a picture at the end? And then the kid who took the picture, I'm like, are we supposed to know him? Is that the boy from the play? All the boys look alike. I'm just like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Is it, who is it? Is it the red-haired kid that we thought was David Michael, but isn't David Michael who takes the picture? No, it's just some so. random boy. It's some boy about Logan's age who's yeah. not Logan, but who's white and has the white. Haircut. Because Logan just got kissed and has ceased to exist <laughs> from that moment on. As we've established, Logan's not a real character. No, I also no, I like he talk his voice is not it is not a southern accent as it is in the books, and it's also just kind of a strange voice. No offense to this child. Like I always feel bad saying something like that, but I like that this episode had the class focus, but it also seemed super weird when there are huge class issues through the entire series. Yeah. And yeah. now all of a sudden at the end, we care about it. And I'm like, what about with the... The wedding. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, everything. The the girl who moves from the Upper West Side. And, yeah. and there's like a thousand things that... If they had thread that through the whole way, that would have been awesome. Yeah. No, it's true. And... Uh, it it feels like a lot to take on in two episodes, like having this entire evolution of Marianne's character in addition to like the social disruption of a camp and, and like a mini revolution. And then Christy not really having a plot, but then saving her stepsister from endangerment at the end. Right, <laughs> right, right. a lot to take in over the course of what, like 45, 50 minutes? Like all the other episodes needed to be this long and this one needed to be like movie length if they yeah. wanted to make it make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they really tried to bring back Karen's like Karen's belief in ghouls and goblins. They they tried to they tried to not because they wrapped up the characters nicely in the last episodes in the wedding episode. Like everyone kind of got their kind of got their like okay, we've come, we've all grown a little bit. In this one, they're trying to sort of like advance the growth of the characters into another season, maybe? Yeah. Like, here's where we're going now, if we get that second season. I do actually, like, I agree with you, Alana, that the first eight episodes feel different from these final two. And I actually thought the last five minutes or so of Christie's Big Day, the episode before these camp episodes, feels like the end of a season finale like that last couple minutes totally. and it would have been a bit neater if they had ended there and also those first eight were so they were realistic and they were very character driven and then all of a sudden we're in this caricature of a mm -hmm. camp and like you're all remanded and it's like what, yeah. what is even going on <laughs> I also like I did not know what the word remanded meant Me so I was like right there <laughs> with Claudia this time well I hear yeah. about people people get remanded into I've custody I've never heard that like with the police you've been remanded into custody I know that that's a thing so but that's different and, and Google from... recognizes it as a word <laughs> I think it, like making it Claudia who says she doesn't know what that means is a cheap shot I think any of the babysitters would not know what that meant totally. but it does sound like it does sound like something that an authority figure at a camp who's just used to throwing around phrases like everyone knows what it means. No one ever questions it. I do like I mean, from a, for analyzing the, the protest, I think it's done. Uh, and Shannon mentioned this in her episode. They do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. Like they treat Dawn like she's doing something real mm -hmm. and 
with with an impact but i do feel like they throw it all away at the end yeah they do yeah. throw it all away at the end yeah yeah and claudia can do free art classes but that's not the point of this right <laughs> like i also wonder i guess this is where i get stuck because what do you think that camp like think about what mitzi's day camp cost yeah right so we i don't know we just pretended this is a month this other camp yeah. like what do you think this costs in the first place like the issue isn't really the 50 dollars for the clothing for the tie-dye like there's I don't know. You guys were saying in one of the other issue episodes that it would have been fun to have something where you saw it all from the adult point of view. Yeah. I would really enjoy watching this episode from Meanie's point of view. This would be, I think this is the episode that would most benefit from that. Just because like, I think she's so funny in her level of exasperation. And also she has this kind of weird nihilistic thing where everything is falling apart about the camp and she just wants to go get her teeth done. And it's just really everything about everything about her is entertaining. Like she's a good stock character. She goes above and beyond. I'm glad she's there. I kind of wish we had more of her. Yeah. But it's almost like the lesson of the episode and thus, I guess, of the season. Right. Is when Christy says some kids can't afford can't afford the art stuff. It's not fair. And Meanie says, this can't be the first time you've realized that. Hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, stuff's not fair. And then Christy blackmails her and it's like, yeah, Meanie, life's not fair. And then <laughs> screw the revolution. Let's go babysitter's club. And I'm like, I get is that Which also doesn't make sense because CITs are working, right? So like their parents paid right. for and... them to go attend a camp. Are they getting reimbursed? And now we they're don't... like, we don't want to enjoy camp, we want to work. And he's like, whatever. I... <laughs> yeah. They don't know they're supposed to get paid. <laughs> Which of the parents will be, like, most excited about the fact that they just ended up working? Is it Richard? Is Richard going to be really happy that Marianne yes. was just there learning the, <laughs> yeah. the value uh, of heart? Claudia's work. parents. They're like, you, they're like, thank God you weren't at Yale. Right. <laughs> Still mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like she doesn't go to Yale. Yeah, because what I thought was going to end up happening, and to an extent it does, is that Claudia could have gone to this prestigious art school, but instead she learned to apply art to to mm, protest mm-hmm, and she learned mm-hmm. to apply her art to social change which they seem to be leading to in the previous episode but then that kind of except for the tie-dye flag that just kind of falls to the yeah. wayside claudia's claudia even being a part of that yeah, like she yeah. gets she gets broken out of jail uh which you know good example for your friends bail out mm-hmm. your bail out the other protesters get them out of jail get them back into the thing you know get people on your side protest your friends are going to be against you like there's good lessons here uh but then of course you have to as 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 has happened in many a show you have to bring everything back to the status quo uh right. at the end and that's the hard part of demonstrating social change in a children's show because at the end of the day, you've got to start season two with the Babysitter's Club back up and running and you can't have them in jail or I don't know what. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was how we ended the season? Like they're just all in a cell together. <laughs> like at the end of Seinfeld. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, not the worst idea in the world. <laughs> well, and I feel so sad that they're, I mean, I don't know if they were planning on a second season, but it's probably not even feasible now because yeah we were wondering about that earlier like yeah i would love to see more of this show but i know okay so like i live in brooklyn so i've just started seeing productions being filmed again Mm -hmm. but that can't be the case everywhere and certainly not with a show like this where people have to be close to each other 
scene yeah. to scene. Yeah, even Batman got COVID. We can't like. I know. Even our even our finest superheroes, even the world's greatest detective, was not <laughs> immune. But yeah, it was such a weird episode. It was a weird episode. But you should have seen Alana when it was over. <laughs> She it makes me like I love the righteous anger over this show. Like I love, I love <laughs> hearing people react to it who never who never read the books has been really interesting to me because I think a lot of the same themes are resident. But when people point out a thing that they didn't like, I really want to be like, well, actually, in the book, it wasn't like that. <laughs> like that's that's my <laughs> like, always temptation. <laughs> I think it's also telling of the way we consume television now and the way it's produced. Uh, I think TV like this is produced for people who are going to watch it over and over, discuss it, mm-hmm. get onto forums, read articles, engage in the in like in the in the in the discourse on like I think that's how they kind of expect people to like, absorb entertainment now. And Alana is not well. It actually one of those makes sense. People. No, well, so I watched it had the righteous anger, then talked to you. You explained who all those zillions of people were. And then I watched it again. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, okay. And I was, you know, I didn't find it like emotionally moving. And I also thought like some of the messages were odd. Yeah. (laughs) Unravelly. But I didn't feel all annoyed the way the first time I was just like, what are you expecting me to do here? I, this one girl danced for 20 seconds and I'm supposed to like, I just, (laughs) I was wondering about that, like specifically about, cause that, that character, Jesse, you get two lines about her. She's like, she is a trained ballerina and she's Mallory's best friend in the world. That doesn't really mean anything outside the context of Mallory meaning something. Who doesn't yet? My assumption would be that the second season, if it goes forward, probably going to be 10 episodes again. Uh, probably going to include like a super special or two because this is like a double length book. And then probably have a Mallory and a Jesse episode as well. Yeah, yeah, you'd got to. Yeah, um, I would and, love that. You know, looking forward, it would be like you would have the ghost of Dawn's house. Oh, Logan likes Marianne. Christy and the snobs. Christy and the snobs. That we get a we get another babysitter out of that one. God, we don't need any more babysitters in the. We don't need Shannon Kilborn. I wonder if this if this series is really meant for people who already know the book. But see, I don't think so because. Like, it doesn't feel like... Like, I just realized right now with you guys talking that I forgot that they're each supposed to be from the perspective of one girl. And you said the yeah. super special is supposed to be about all of them, right? Like, yeah. I, that, I think there's like a very first, like the first frame or something has a different handwriting and that's how you're supposed to yeah. do it. But like, yep. that like just washed over me and I completely forgot about it, even though you told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's always way more, obviously, because it's a book. It's always way more clear cut who that book is about because a she's narrating and b there will be chapters that have their writing at the beginning of it like this is what i did on this babysitting job and it's funny this so, episode oh. the narrate i noticed how often the narration drop jumped around when there was narration and it's a little disorienting like line by line different people were saying things you had a while on your bear podcast where you used to be reviewing the 15 minute PBS. Yeah. And they would take like one of the books that was usually like a read out loud book and turn it into a TV episode. Yeah. And reading that book out loud probably took less time than the TV episode. Yes. And then this is like 
8,000 times the opposite because they would take a whole book and then condense it into 20 minutes. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's that like telescoping mm. that's really hard. Like I probably would have liked it better if they took three books and made all 10 episodes just three of those books. And like you could like really get to know who the characters were. Because I thought the, the writing was great. The characters are fun. I love these kids. Mm. What made, I think the righteous anchor is because I'm like, no, I want those characters. I don't want you to just be like, like swishing over all of it yeah no the last two episodes are a real grab bag and like yeah. christy doesn't even really have a plot that sort of thing there's there's some issues going on here <laughs> and a lot of lame is references and into the woods references <laughs> a lot of into the woods references and like i'm i mean i'm a i'm a sondheim fan it was still very weird to me <laughs> when and it it, it 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 made sense though as i said at the top of the episode from a these are the references that a child who's into theater would be making. Uh, they're not going to be true. dropping like the great comet references. <laughs> Although that would rule. <laughs> if we could have gotten, if they would, if we could have gotten a cameo from, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Hades town. Uh, Andre DeShields. If Andre DeShields, cause we know that he's done Netflix. He'll stuff. do a he Netflix the, special. Uh, he loves John that Mulaney kind of special. thing. <laughs> Just if you could have had Andre DeShields. If he DeShields. was the art teacher. Yes. Or the camp director. No, that would not work. If no, if he was like super like smart and like just take taught those kids a whole new way to look at the world. But in any, there case. were so many confusing things about that camp. Yeah, no, it didn't make because any sense. I was the I don't I didn't mention this. I was the drama lady one oh, year yeah. at a camp. It was oh, a day camp, okay. but I had so I have experienced being the what i was in college you know the probably 19 year old who's trying to get a bazillion eight-year-olds to all be willing to act like flying monkeys because you're doing <laughs> the wizard of oz with one rehearsal a week for these kids and you have to the you know by the end of the summer or whatever and what they show these kids doing is i mean I, this is where it bothered me that the rest of the series it, it just the rest of the series was realistic and this one wasn't if the whole series was not that would have been fine. Yeah. But the rest of the series is like, steal wool on a car. Oh, no, that's horrible. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I happen to have the script from a, and the rights, I guess, from a play that, that was, was on Broadway yeah. last week. I don't even understand. It is And then there's like, a girl being the accompanist. Did you guys see that? <laughs> like, and none of these kids have anything else to do. Like, it, it doesn't make any, any sense. You're making it like... It is becoming clear and clearer to me that this episode is kind of a fever dream. And, <laughs> and, and like the first, I mean, in the interest of full disclosure, like I'm on muscle relaxants right now because I threw my back out because I'm, I'm apparently old now. And uh, everything I watch, I have to take with a grain of salt. Like, is this actually the best thing I've ever seen or am I just the most relaxed I've been in my life? <laughs> I was gonna say this is this is all happening in Mimi's head after the wedding. <laughs> She's just so happy they're all happy together, and then she goes to bed. What a weird moment! <laughs> Remember, it's all Mimi's fault. It's all Mimi's fault that this all happened. That if is Claudia true. had just gone to Yale. <laughs> I want to watch that documentary. Oh yeah, the the Claudia. Oh, the Claudia yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be really interested to see Bonus what people episode. say about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Final thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, good show. No, sorry. I, I have more than that. Good show. Uh, I was always going to like this show. It could have been an absolute fiasco, and I still would have boosted for it. But 
particularly the first eight episodes, because I will say these two are sort of an outlier for me. Uh, I think they did the absolute best they could have done with the source material and bringing it into uh, 2020. Uh, I think the four principal actors are fantastic. I I hope for all the best in their careers in the world. And I think a thing we kept we have kept coming back to on this show is like good like way to do well by adult characters in a kid series. Phil, what do you have? <laughs> Well, I don't want to give, I don't want to say too much because Christy and I have decided we're going to do a hot wash oh. episode uh, in which we'll be discussing uh, like the whole the series? whole arc uh, and maybe nice. any ideas going forward. But, uh, uh, but I do, I, I mean, I think I've said it over and over. I was, I went into this hoping for the best and expecting the worst because I know Netflix has a weird track record with adaptations of things and you never know, mm-hmm. but I would say that like when it when it fired on all cylinders, it was about the best possible thing I could have hoped for for a Babysitter's yeah. Club adaptation. When it didn't, I think it was just a limitations brought about by maybe just time and budget. Uh, it seems like Netflix gave them a certain like it was like a British sitcom. Like you got your 10 episodes. Here's your series. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think I agree. Yeah. Good. And uh, from your perspective. Oh, that seems unfair. I just popped in at the end. Well, you're here. <laughs> okay. You're in the hot seat. Well, what I was thinking, listening to you guys is so we got to watch this with a nine year old. Yeah. Who I was, I'm a little jealous of anybody who got to watch it with a kid. <laughs> it that made it pretty great. Because she was at times like so excited she couldn't sit still. Didn't she? Do I remember this right? Didn't she have to hide under a blanket when they were going to kiss? Yes. Because it was going to be so embarrassing. And It was. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad for everyone. Um, But that really added a really fun layer of it. And I, so I had no background except for having overheard you guys read these books, you know, from the other room. And I thought it was great. I, I really like, I mean, this series passes the Bechdel test a thousand times. Yes. These, these girls are great and they're all individual and any quibbles I have with them are nitpicky, honestly. (laughs) Right. You know? (laughs) Well, Alana, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. For this episode, the final episode of the Netflix series, The Babysitter's Club. Uh, so Christy, we will be, uh, we will be back, um, for one more episode at least. Yeah. At at least. And we have ideas. Yeah. So we have ideas. So, uh, so (laughs) don't, don't, don't delete us from your podcast app just yet. We know you were planning on doing that immediately after you finished this episode. So please don't. If there's one thing that podcast (laughs) listeners are really good at doing, it's deleting shows they no longer listen to. And not just leaving (laughs) them in their queue and going like, I'll get back to this one day. Sorry, all of my (laughs) friends who have podcasts. Um, So yeah, I think, I think that's it. I think we can, uh, I think we can come back next time with another, uh, with, with our hot wash. Okay. I think that sounds wonderful. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I'm Phil Gonzalez. I'm Christy Admiral. And this has been Pizza Toast. We've never ended the show like that before, by the way. (laughs) I'm pressing stop. Okay.